Hey guys, it's Alec, writer and voice actor of Elias Short, here to remind you to check the trigger warnings of today's episode. Have a safe listen. Mythale presents Circe's. Episode 4, Overstimulation. I got handed this paper on the way towards my first patient this morning, and Dr. Timor did seem to glance at me with a certain importance, so I can only guess it must be an urgent matter that this letter is filed away with the rest of Grayson's paperwork. Well, let's not divert any further and dive straight into it, shall we? This statement by Jamie Grayson was recorded on the 18th of September, 2022, by Elias Emanuel Short, therapist in training at Sunshine Valley Mental Institution. Case file 47272342318. Let's begin. Do you have those days where you wake up and everything around you just seems louder somehow? Like you can stare at the ticking clock on the wall and wonder to yourself, has it always been that loud? It's better for your own sanity to just accept that part of your brain had prior to today been kind enough to filter out that noise. That damned noise. The ticking that just keeps going deeper within your subconscious despite being kilometers away from the ticking tacking. It drives you into a certain mood. You become a little crankier, and before you know it, you stare down an unknowing elderly woman who dared to glance at you in the wrong way. Perhaps she had hurt the taking too, but that of course won't cross your mind, as you scoff at any minor inconvenience that comes in your way. From cursing at your phone, as it just won't seem to work, to yelling at your co-workers who somehow just can't get their jobs done, even if their lives depended on it. It will just be one of those days where you wish to go home and forget about it. This all happened because of that damn clock, which shouldn't even have been there to begin with. When I mentioned the phenomena to my therapist, she suggested I might be having sensory overload or that I was overstimulated, which apparently wasn't as common as I had first thought it would. This somehow led to me getting diagnosed with autism, which, as you could have imagined, was not exactly what I had in mind when I first mentioned the unnatural loudness I would at times experience. I always had this idea in my head that I might have just been lazy or unwilling to pull my weight within this world. However, as I sat in front of the psychiatrist, she calmly told me about autism and what it would mean for me in the future and how we could best work around it. I knew that my life wouldn't be the same from this point on. It took me years to get back on my feet again, but with a proper coach and lots of work, I landed myself a regular office job. I had the same hours, day after day, and I liked it that way. Structure was one of the most important steps in learning to live with autism, my therapist told me. Five years. That's how long it took. I am actually pretty proud of that. Before everything happened to me, 
the part that scored me a cozy room for one at Sunshine Valley. I hadn't had a meltdown for over a year. I remember the date still. It was Monday, the 5th of March, 2018. My body had gotten so used to my routine by now, I would wake up a few minutes before my alarm, which brought me a weird sense of satisfaction. When my eyes opened that morning, the sound of a ticking clock overtook everything until I was hyper-focused on that sound. I stared at the ceiling with indignation, tears budging in the corners of my eyes as I held back the urge to bury my head deep within my pillows and cry in frustration. This was going to be an awful day. I convinced myself it wouldn't be a big deal, shuffling myself out of the comfort of the safety of my bed, opting to just wear my noise-canceling headphones as I got ready for work. I simply couldn't let myself slip back into old habits. The headphones worked just fine, and I somehow managed to push my way through my morning routine, even though a small part of me was still aware of the mindless ticking in the back of my head. The human brain is rather marvelous. We can convince ourselves of almost anything, and I simply wouldn't allow myself to think about that sound. It felt as if I somehow dared to spare it just a second of my time. It would feed upon my attention and grow into a never-ending sore within my subconscious mind, until it would eat away to the conscious part. It turns out that despite my usual routine and expensive headphones that were normally my saving grace, deafening me to the world, enough I couldn't hear the mulling of people, but not so much that I couldn't hear an alarm. Yet, today, they failed. They let the revolting ticking through. Let it consume my mind. I tried to convince myself that I was just being paranoid. That happens sometimes when I'm so terrified of a sound that it comes like a phantom only audible to me. The longer I spent on the bus, I could almost count by the seconds how sounds started creeping up on me, causing my hands to shake nervously, my brain overwhelmed by the somehow unfamiliar noises. I found myself almost running off the bus, quickly making my way towards the towering building in front of me. It didn't seem as inviting today almost as if I had never noticed how it loomed over you before you managed to enter. The air around me had a soft vibration to it. The twitching of my hands became more noticeable step by step. I had it firmly within my other hand. I had no time for a meltdown now. I had specifically been told I had an assignment waiting for me at my desk. Breathe in. Breathe out. The ding of the elevator had been louder than expected. I could feel, no, hear my heart pounding inside my chest. This is all ridiculous, I thought to myself. I am simply just being sensitive today, and there's absolutely no reason to panic. I just had to collect myself and try to level out the waves of paranoia that tried to drown me. I know multiple people offered me a good morning, but I didn't have time to listen. I just had to get inside the safe space of my office and hope the soundproofed walls could ease me once again. The vibrations seemed to slow down like a hand had let go of me. I slumped into my normally comfy office chair, which today felt cold and hard under me. I sighed to myself and slid off my headphones, letting my fingers tap over the keys. I felt almost silly as the sound of my keyboard came out as the usual tapping I had been so used to over the years. Just the right amount of noise. I did get some work done. I'm pretty sure I managed to quickly tap out the first key points before I first heard it. Just behind me, a slight ticking started to make its way within my personal space. 
I could have sworn that I hadn't heard the sound as it entered, nor had I ever noticed a clock on that wall, but as I turned around, there it was, almost glaring at me from the sickly white wall behind me. I couldn't lose focus now. I had to finish. Never in my time here have anything I've made been laid. I knew my manager depended on me, but that damn ticking, it was vile, scratching my brains like nails on a chalkboard. It grew and grew, till tears started falling down my face in frustration. It just couldn't get any worse. I was so sorely mistaken. The tapping on the keys sounded like someone snapping their fingers right beside my ear, the clock on the wall like a ticking time bomb. I couldn't run away. I had tried sticking my head out of the door to see if that could help. But no such luck. Out there, it was like a war zone. Was this another overstimulation episode? No, it just couldn't be. Sounds sure were louder, but I'd never heard anything like this. Focus. Simply just focus. My heartbeat was deafening. The sound of a thousand drums was echoing within my skull. What had I done to deserve this? I had never been as aware of my own existence as I was when I heard something I never thought would be possible. I could hear the sound of my own blinking. I was aware of me, every single inch of me. My blood ran like a wild river, untamed, in and out of the beating nightmare in my chest, my hands tapping, bang, bang, louder than fireworks, organs moving, digesting, working. You never want to hear the sounds of your organs or brains can't comprehend it. I was stuck, tears streaming down my face. I don't know when I noticed it. I would almost guess I heard it before I felt it. The stream of blood that poured from my tortured ears, running down my neck with a slippery, wet sound, my heart rate increasing to keep up with the loss. I rushed back on my feet, frantically trying to look for anything, just anything that might have helped with the situation I'd found myself in. However, it was just all a blur. My eyes wouldn't focus on the expanding room. It stretched out and shook before my eyes, yet I knew it was simply my body's inability to handle the strain that had been put upon it. I was going to fall over soon if I didn't find a way to make it stop. Desperate moments sometimes lead to extreme decisions. At that moment, I had no care for which way I would get my peace. When my eyes landed on the unknown target, I didn't even question it for a minute. I just wished for it all to end. So I did the unthinkable. I don't think you look at your life and imagine all the impossible decisions you have to make, but I hope that you never have to do what I did. I lunged out desperately towards the sharp pencil on the desk, the wood pressing small splinters deep into my aching ears. I could hear the snaps of them dicking their way into my eardrums, as if I'd been standing right next to a falling tree. The howl that left my body was almost enough to deafen me completely. The pain came first. The blinding, all-encompassing, searching pain. It burned and stabbed all at once, but then came the silence euphoric and blissful. No doubt progressed by adrenaline. It was beautiful. <laughs> Clear waters after centuries of storms. My shoulders slumped for what felt like the first time. No ticking. No breathing. No distant clicks of heels. Tears fell mixed with blood. 
But don't mistake them for tears of agony. No, they were tears of ecstasy. The pain was still there, of course, but it had bought me the quiet, and for that I'd be forever grateful. What I'd managed to do had been to ram the sharp pencil deep into my eardrums, shattering them completely in an unbearable way. Such a way no sane person would ever do. The ends of the pencils brutally forced their way through the last connection to the audible world, putting a mute to everything around me. Everything but a manic laughter that wouldn't stop ringing when my body collapsed in its finality. When I awoke in the hospital, everything around me was engulfed in blissful silence. Not even a single sound lingered. The laughter had dissipated. Now, a year down the line, I find myself occasionally wishing I could still hear it, so I had just something left, anything at all, but my world has been put on a never-ending mute, but I can't say that I regret the choice I made that day. I was forced to leave my life behind and live with you lot, watched by people who have my best interest in mind, yet this is not a place I will ever call home. I can't seem to understand what happened that day, but I wish I could pause time right before I left that morning, left my life in an endless bliss without the worries of a mental hospital and endless assessments which only lead to more pills. I want my life back. Please, just give me my life back. Jamie seems to go into a longer rant on the next page, yet I highly doubt it would add any more clarity, since even after I have spent over half an hour trying to discern it, I still can't seem to connect what words must be missing for it all to make sense. I assume they had a meltdown. There are signs of ripping and tear stains. What is brought to my attention by this alarming note Jamie wrote is that they seem to be having a rather rough time of it here at Sunshine Valley, despite their constant attempts to distance themselves from the television room. I'll make sure to inform the caretakers of this. It saddens me that what happened to Jamie is still affecting them to such an extent, yet I doubt what overcame them was nothing short of a sensory overload, which is commonly seen in people diagnosed with autism. I would suggest another assessment of their mental state to assure ourselves that they do not suffer from any other underlying conditions, such as dissociative disorder or harbor more self-harming ideas. As for what happened to Jamie, their eardrums got completely destroyed by the pencil and have left Jamie deaf, without any chance of recovering their hearing. They are still not speaking to any staff, yet I must also wonder if they still hold the ability to speak at all. I don't doubt that it must be hard when you lose one of the five senses you're so used to having. That's what my own research on the matter has concluded. Any further note would be added after their next assessment. Circe's is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. Today's episode featured Alexander Bautna as Elias Emanuel Short. Audio edited by Els Sari and Henry Johannesson. Manuscript edited by Talia Heulun and Rita Bauna. And written by Alexander F. Bauna. 